Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. In Navy Federal, you can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. All right, today we're talking with Air Force veteran Kurt Yegian. He's the founder and CEO of Existing Conditions. Kurt, you guys are doing some interesting things in the um, building and construction business. Before we get to talking about that, take us back. Tell us what you did in the Air Force. Well, thank you, Joe, for having me on, on the show. I really do appreciate it. And to start off, uh, I joined the Air Force when I was 17 years old, right out of high school. I didn't didn't quite know what I wanted to do yet, and I thought it would be a great place to uh, to get started. And as it turns out, it, it, it sure was. Um, I spent most of my time in a, a civil engineering unit in the Air Force, and that consisted a lot of, you know, um, uh, not only force protection kind of stuff, but also building up of uh, existing infrastructure, whether it's runways or uh, housing, things of that nature. Um, very satisfying. Did a lot of uh, my time in uh, Panama at Howard Air Force Base back when that was uh, U.S. territory still, mm. and various other places in South Central America and even as far away as uh, uh, Goose Bay, Labrador. I spent some time there, unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> so. Uh, that, that was a little bit about uh, my, what I did in my time. Uh, I was in from 1986 to uh, 2000. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Now, talk a little bit about your transition. Was it, uh, were, were you ready to get out? Was it a smooth transition for you? Did you land in a, in a good job right away? So when I got out, I, I was under what at the time was called a Palace Chase program, where I transitioned from active duty into a uh, into a national guard unit so i still had that military connection even after i left active duty mm-hmm. um i i did do some exploring as to what i wanted to do with uh with my career with my life uh, my family background was in the construction industry and since i had you know i built some skills and learned a lot of things when i was in the air force in an engineering unit um, i decided to go to architecture school uh which i did using the gi bill mm-hmm. and that was extremely helpful uh, to me doing that. Uh, once I uh, left, uh, once I got out of school, uh, I, you know, realized that there was kind of a, uh, a missing link in the industry that uh, a company like mine could really fit into. And uh, that was 23 years ago now. Um, and it's been working uh, great ever since. We provide a great service to the industry and uh, are growing every year. That's awesome. So talk a little bit about existing conditions and exactly what niche you guys are filling. Sure. So if you are, say, an architect or a building owner, a construction company, uh, and you have a new project, one of the first things that you'll need to do is to get accurate drawings of your building so that you can then make really informed decisions on your design and the parameters, uh, handicap accessibility, a whole host of issues. And we fill that gap by using the latest technology, which is 3D laser scanning, which is sort of akin to uh, like a radar type unit. It it sends out a signal, bounces off anything in line of sight, returns that to the scanner. That's called a point cloud of data. We Mm -hmm. then take point cloud, bring it into a drafting program and create accurate drawings from there. 
Um, prior to doing that, really the industry practice was to send the interns to the field who, of course, have the enthusiasm, but not really the experience to put together an accurate set of drawings. And we would find that problems would happen over and over again where, you know, the, the wall's at the wrong angle or the column grid is off by a foot. And that, that would turn into very costly change orders and all the unpleasantness that goes around with that. So I decided to start a company that provided this one service only to the industry. Um, I started that immediately after, um, you know, doing, uh, going to architecture school. Uh, and now we are scanning and modeling approximately 60 million square feet per year. Everything from the U.S. Stock Exchange to the Pentagon to the U.S. Capitol building to embassy complexes in Liberia uh, and anything in between. So I'm very proud of the way that the industry has responded to us and how we've been able to help the industry by providing this niche service to them. Wow. So does it, does your software, does your system actually, does it just lay out where the walls and ceilings are, the basics, or does it also do electrical plumbing everything else? How does all that work? Sure. So it's really, our work is driven by our client's scope. And sometimes a client will come to us and say, I just need very simple floor plans because I'm trying to determine the square footage for my client, uh, tenants rather, and how much to charge them and things of that. Uh -huh. uh, other times, uh, you know, if we were, say, when we renovated the uh, American Museum of Natural History in, in New York, in Central Park, for example, they were doing a full, complete renovation. So they needed mechanical information, electrical, plumbing, architectural, structural. We were able to provide all that to them by using the 3D laser scanning technology. And I would say that the, the technology that we use um, is freely available. There's nothing that we have developed as far as software or hardware. It's all manufactured by well-known industry technology companies. Mm -hmm. But where we come in is the expertise in using that technology. Sure. Um, we, we're, we're trained in doing this. We are, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've learned a lot of lessons in the military and I've carried them into my business. And, you know, as far as leading from the front and, you know, making sure that you're the best at what you do. Uh, a lot of lessons I learned in the military have carried over into my business. And I know that's made us more successful than any other entity doing what we do. Yeah. Now the need there is, is it mainly be, I find it interesting that a lot of these buildings, like they just don't have old architectural plans. They all get lost over, over time yeah. or thrown away. That, that happens. Uh, that's what's kept us in business for all these decades. Um, I mean, even buildings that you would think, like you would think the New York Stock Exchange would have an accurate set of drawings for the buildings, but they don't. They may have the water-stained paper drawings from 1925 in the basement, and that's what they have. Uh, so we come in and not only can provide them with that data, but do it in the most current electronic format that their designers can use in their software. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause even if they had drawings from 1920s, they, mm. you would still have to convert that into the, the CAD programs that everybody's using. Absolutely. Today. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. How, how are you able to map out electrical and plumbing lines within walls and stuff like that? How are they doing that? It's a, it's a good question. And you know, the tools that we use, um, you know, basically the tools are, are called a terrestrial 3d laser scanner. And again, using that radar analogy, it's a line of sight tool only. It's a light source. It's a laser. Uh, it's basically a laser rangefinder. 
And it just it just gives me billions and billions of little dots in the correct X, Y, and Z coordinate. Um, so it's only line of sight. So if there are things that are obscured behind walls or uh, that we can't see, we may be able to get the client to do some destructive testing, some probing, but generally speaking, it's a line of sight tool only. Interesting. So talk a little bit about how, go back to your mentality of when, when you discovered this niche and mm-hmm. some of the initial lessons learned when it comes to starting your own business and what was it that triggered you to go into business for yourself? Well, what triggered me was I was working at, as a junior person at a large architecture firm he, uh, in the Boston area. And what I realized was as the junior person there, I was always the one being sent out to do these existing condition surveys. I was the one being sent to these old abandoned mill buildings and so forth with a, with a tape measure and graph paper and trying to you know, mm-hmm. collect data, very important data that unfortunately a lot of people in the industry really don't put the importance on, you know, of collecting that good data up front. So while I was doing this work, I thought to myself, well, you know, I could start a company that just provided this not only to the firm I'm working for, but to any firm in the industry. There was nobody else doing it at the time. Uh, and I think a lot of that, the, a lot of the reason for that is, is because a lot of architects, really don't want to do this work. Like they don't want to be the ones going to these old buildings and these, you know, questionable sites with safety issues and things like that. But uh, I, I love the technology. I love the aspect of, you know, dissecting these old buildings. And I've learned more about how buildings are put together by doing this work over the years than I ever would as an architect. Um, you know, it's not right for everybody, but the people that work for me are generally gravitate towards technology mm-hmm. and are forward thinking, uh, self-motivated and uh, self-starters. So that's really why I started the company, because there was nobody doing this. And it was definitely a need for it in the industry. And I can tell you, 23 years later, like I said, we're measuring 60 million square feet a year. So the, the, that speaks for itself right there. Wow, that's incredible. All right, well, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. People don't talk about what a hassle it is to have to take your wedding ring off every time you need to use your hands. For decades, before I pre-flighted the AH-1 Cobra attack helicopter, I'd put my wedding ring on my dog tags before climbing on top of the aircraft. That's why I've been loving the Rise Collection from Enzo Rings. They're awesome silicone rings that are my go-to alternative to metal rings. With Enzo Rings Rise Collection, there's no need to sacrifice style for comfort and safety. They combine the timeless design of hard metal rings with the flexibility of silicone. So you can feel good about keeping your ring on throughout the day, whether you're at work, exercising, or traveling. I've been wearing my Enzo ring every day. I don't even put my metal ring on anymore. When we recently moved to Florida, I wore my Enzo ring throughout the whole moving process. I'm telling you, once you wear Enzo rings, you'll never go back. I have a special offer for my listeners. 10% off your first purchase. Just go to EnzoRings.com today and use promo code VETERAN. That's promo code VETERAN at ENSORings.com. September 11th, 2001 is etched in our memories as a day of incalculable tragedy, but also superhuman courage. In honor of the 20th anniversary of September 11th, Ironlight Labs has launched the 20 for 20 podcast presenting 20 heroic stories in the 20 years since 9-11. The host is Niels Jorgensen, who served as a New York firefighter for 21 years until his forced medical retirement due to leukemia he contracted from cleaning up Ground Zero. 
Interviews include Frank Siller, whose firefighter brother, Stephen Siller, ran through a closed tunnel with 60 pounds of gear and sacrificed his life to save others. And Mac Hanna, who was part of a team of five civilians that saved more than 50 lives on 9-11. David Braca, whose father, Al Braca, led his co-workers praying into their deaths on the 104th floor. These stories will cause listeners to more fully understand the events, what it felt like being there, what choices were made and why, and how their lives changed. We should never forget 9-11. Our hope is that the 20 for 20 podcast series will offer a living testimony for future generations. You'll find the 20 for 20 podcast on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or you can go to 20for20podcast.com. That's 20for20podcast.com. We've bought a few cars with Navy Federal over my 31 years as a member with their fully loaded car buying experience. Let me tell you, when you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. They have low rates and pre-approval that's good for 90 days, so you know what you can afford while you shop. You can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, Geico, and SiriusXM. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Your actual savings off MSRP may vary. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. All right, back talking with Kurt Yegian. So from uh, existing conditions. So Kurt, back when you, you were fresh out of school working for an architectural company, you became the technical expert going out in the field, doing this sort of thing. Um, sizing up current existing businesses uh, or buildings for folks that are looking to do renovations and upgrades, that kind of thing. You decided to start your own business. Now, oftentimes when you're the technical expert and you think, man, I could just go do this on my own and do a better job or make more money at it because I, I don't have all this overhead. Talk about some of the surprises when you first started your business where you're the technical expert but now you've got all these other things associated with actually running a business. Sure. So the, it's, it's a great point you make um, because, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have expertise in their specialty, but don't have the you know business acumen or the want or desire to really, to really run a business. And um, I would say that, you know, some of my background before the military, like just, kind of being in a family that, uh, that, that ran a business, a small business, it, it, it taught me some lessons, but it really wasn't until I really hit the ground running and started working uh, as the technical expert in this field that I started to realize, you know, there are things that I didn't think about. There were things like, you know, I need to get insurance. I need to get, you know, workman's comp coverage. I need to, um, you know, uh, build a better website or hire an accountant, uh, things of that nature. It was really, I was so excited to get started and I loved what I was doing and I still do love what I'm doing so much that it was almost like I just kind of waded right into it and got started <laughs> or I started, you know, getting those kind of infrastructure pieces in place mm -hmm. quickly learned that, um, you know, you can't go on some job sites unless you have the proper insurances in place. You can't do certain projects unless you have certain credentials from, you know, the state that you're working in. And it's going to be very problematic if you don't have um, people who are helping you with uh, legal matters or accounting matters or technical matters. So it was, 
it was one of those things that I've done my whole life. I, I, I would like to sit here and say that I came up with some very complicated business plan and implemented it and adhered to it, but it, that really wasn't the case back then. I really just kind of went for it and started working and got one job, then got the next job and got the next job. And then once I was maybe a year or two into it, I started thinking, well, maybe I needed to, you know, get some of these other pieces in place to back me up, you know, the lawyer, the accountants, hiring the right people and all that kind of thing. So um, that's really, that's really how I started it. It may not be the ideal way, but it seemed to have worked for me back then. I think I'm a better learner when I'm just doing things like in the saddle rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, trying to read about it or something like that. I was just, I was too excited to get started. Right. And you, you knew there was already demand for the service you were, you were providing. Did, yeah. did you ever really, um, did you ever, ever really have a shortage of business from the day you started? Um, surprisingly, no. I mean, I, I really, I really feel like, you know, you kind of become successful first and then you earn money. You know, it's like earning money isn't a measure of success. I think that, you know, once you, once you get out there and people start saying, Hey, this is great. Kirk can go out there and get this done better, faster and cheaper than I can. And I don't have to do it. Why wouldn't I hire him? And that's kind of been the attitude in the industry. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, you take a job that somebody doesn't necessarily want to do and you do a great job at it and you become the de facto expert. And I would say that, you know, doing this for, 23 years and measuring, I think we're up to over 8,000 buildings at this point that we've measured. We have a, we have unmatched portfolio in the field and expertise. And, you know, what, on that note, one of the things that I think is really important, and I, I, I tell this to any potential new clients is, you know, the analogy that I I will use is I can walk down to Home Depot right now and buy the most expensive hammer that they sell. By doing so, that doesn't make me a master carpenter, right? I can go right now and buy the most expensive laser scanner that they sell. And they, those tools cost upwards of $100,000. By doing so, that doesn't make me an expert in my field. So I think that the most valuable lesson I learned is, is that your people are everything. You, you got to want to go to war with your staff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you got to want to have that confidence that they're not going to crack under pressure, that they, that they're up to the job and they're going to be there when you need them. So I think that, you know, the, the key to our success is not deploying the proper tools. It's embracing the proper talent. And I've had a great deal of success with hiring veterans. And uh, I, I am absolutely continuing with doing that. That's awesome. What is it, from a from an employer's perspective, granted you're a veteran yourself, but from an employer's perspective, what is it that are the what are the things you see in veterans that maybe you might not see in your typical civilian? The first thing I learned, maybe the most important lesson I learned when I became permanent party at my first installation was that you know the, the old analogy said you know the, the the battle plan goes out the window the minute the first shot's fired right i mean mm-hmm. and i think anyone who's been in a situation like that can can agree that that's the reality mm-hmm. the ability for the pe- for people to be adaptable and flexible is critical critical you know and i find that when i hire veterans they understand that intuitively they've been through it mm-hmm. you know they understand that you know, 
things may change and you've got to kind of roll with it and you've got to adapt and you can't get, you know, stonewalled if everything doesn't work out according to plan because it never will. And you have to be resilient and adaptable. And I think those two words really encapsulate what I like most about hiring veterans is the ability to adapt and the, the ability to be resilient, the work ethic, the feeling that you're part of something larger than yourself, um, the, 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 just, just the, the respect and, and, the, and the attitude, the work attitude, uh, I don't find it anywhere else. And I've hired a lot of people over the years. Yeah, you find that to be pretty consistent. I do. Yeah, I really do. Um, I, I mean, not that we, you know, discriminate against, you know, non-veterans, but sure. man, have we had great success hiring, hiring people from all branches of service. And uh, yeah. it's, I think it's something that I don't know how exactly it gets ingrained in people when you're in the military, but it just, you just maybe, you just get it by osmosis or something. I don't know. You just kind of, you, you, you have to, work that way or the mission isn't going to succeed. And every project we do, I treat like it's the mission, right? And the mission is to get it done, to get it, to get it done properly and to get out, get home and get on to the next mission. Right. Yeah. Very Powell doctrine ish. You know? Absolutely. One of the things we talk about quite a bit on the show are hard skills and soft skills. A lot of people, mm. hard skills are like the architectural degree from, uh, the, the Boston architectural school you went to Center, or, yes. or, Correct. Or, yeah. or your, or a CPA or your six sure. Sigma or anything that looks good, sounds good on a piece of paper, but those soft skills are typically where veterans shine. And that's just because, and like you said, not exactly sure where it comes from. It, mm. Osmosis is definitely a possibility. Just being <laughs> yeah. around that operational tempo, the military mindset, yeah. the mission accomplishments, the stick to itiveness. Yeah. Um, being immersed in it for a few years can can really change somebody's mindset about how things get done. And Indeed. Uh, that's typically a lot of civilian companies, they, they hire people based off of hard skills, but they keep them based off of soft skills. You know, ultimately mm -hmm. your performance is based off of those soft skills that we're talking about. So, mm -hmm. um, so getting back to existing conditions, you, you said that you've, what are some other numbers you can throw at us with what you've done in the last uh, 23 years being in business for yourself, which is awesome. Um, you said you've, you've uh, surveyed over 8,000 business bu uh, buildings or structures so far. What are some other cool numbers? I, I think you got a square footage number also. And it, and it, and it also want to point out you're actually tracking that, which is a good thing yes. because you can, you can show that as credibility. Those, those kind of numbers are great. Oh, that's, that's one of the great things that my partner Jared helps me with is really is the, um, uh, uh, the, the data analytics, right? We're able to track how many jobs we're doing, how many mm -hmm. square, how long it's taking to do those jobs. What is the fee? And was it, what's the profit margin? So, you know, having all of that data at my disposal now, which really wasn't available as readily 23 years ago as it is now, has really helped us in, 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 in refining our, our, our costs, our time on site, how many people we deploy to a project, what tools we send, that kind of thing. So having that analytics has really helped us just in the last, say, two, three, four years. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, what, how, many, how many employees you guys have now? 
So in the United States now, we have approximately 30 um, full and part-time employees. And we also have um, studios overseas. We have one in Croatia, one in Colombia, one in India that helps us with some of the uh, data processing, uh, some of the backend stuff, uh, and some of the uh, some of the modeling. So there is approximately the same amount of, of those people over in overseas studios that that uh, work uh, as employees of existing conditions. No kidding, huh? And one of the things I always like to ask uh, successful entrepreneurs is, could you ever imagine yourself going back to work for someone else? Oh, I'd be a terrible employee. No, I was a terrible employee before I became, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, 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 thrived, <laughs> you know, I, I thrived in the military, but you know, and I was, you know, I was in, enlisted. So, um, you know, I, I think that when, when I say I was a terrible employee, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I, when I worked at uh, an architecture firm before I started my company, um, I came to the principals with an idea of, you know, maybe we should kind of do this kind of work as a, as, as part of our service rather than just the traditional design. And they all laughed and said, oh, you'll never earn any money doing that or that kind of thing. So um, I, I, I wear that as a badge of honor that I've been able to <laughs> succeed in the industry where uh, others thought I might fail. So you, you actually brought, the idea for existing conditions, which you've been doing yes. successfully 23 years now to a previous yeah. employer and they just laughed it off. Oh, they fired me as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I really wanted to be more than a drafter. And even at that young age, I, I felt like I was more mature because of my military experience, uh -huh. you know, and, uh, and uh, I was still in the, uh, in the national guard at the time. And I went to my employer and said, you know what? I, I think, I think there's, a whole vertical. I, I wasn't thinking it through properly at the time. Like, you know, why would I bring them in? I, at the time I was thinking, well, maybe I'll bring them in because, you know, they have the infrastructure in place and whatever. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the right infrastructure. And I'm so much, I'm so happy that I just went off and did it on my own. And then I thank them for firing me every, every time I think about that story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I would, um, I've been having this thought, Lately, um, the, the idea kind of came out of my recent moving experience with U-Haul and everything. And mm. uh, the, the company U-Haul has been around forever, you know, and sure. it's made money every year. It always makes money. And like the, the local place we were renting our, our equipment from, it's been there. That, that particular location has been there since like 1963. It's the same building. Okay. Obviously, there's demand and people are always moving, which is the business model. And it, it really, it really drives home the, the, the thought that, you know, if you're out there and you've got this idea for a business or you're looking to go into business for yourself or do something like that, run your own show. You know, everyone always says, well, have you done a market, a market study? Well, hmm. really what they're saying is, is there demand for your product or service that, that you want to do right now? Because hmm. hmm. there's a lot of veterans and I've been guilty of it myself. They want to create something out of thin air. And mm -hmm. you know, you're a perfect example of you were in the business, you're in the grind, you're doing it, and you see this segment of what you're currently doing as mm -hmm. a full-blown opportunity and you pivot towards it and then you make it happen. And sure. I would say that that right there is probably more important when it comes to starting a business for yourself is, is there built-in demand already there? And all you got to mm -hmm. do is figure out a way to fulfill the demand. I would agree with that, you know, and, and being in the business, like you said, I mean, I, again, I was the one whenever there was a, you know, broken down old building for me to, to measure, I was the one as a junior guy going to do it. 
So a lot of me thought, well, why am I doing it for this guy for, you know, $15 an hour? I can start my own business. I can do it better. Mm-hmm. And I can have the right people and I can get the right equipment and do this and be the best at it. And I really feel like, like that's what they are. That's what we are. There's, there's no other company out there that does what we do that has the portfolio, that has the experience, that has the expertise. Mm-hmm. And it's demonstrable. I'm not just saying that because it's my business. You know, it, it's really, uh, it's, it's a known quantity in the industry. Right. One of the things that I've been doing um, uh, lately is uh, we've been starting like a mentoring program with uh, architecture schools in the area for awesome. uh, to have good ideas who don't want to be, you know, laughed at like I was 23 years ago. Maybe you can embrace those people and listen to them and get their ideas and help them. And uh, we've been doing a lot of that, uh, exploring that lately. And I want to do much more of that. Absolutely. Well, Kurt, um, it's been a pleasure talking with you. We're getting closer to the end of our time. I do want to give you the last word. Typically, I like I like to ask the, the guest, um, if you were talking to somebody, you mentioned mentoring you're talking to somebody in the military or somebody that's just on their way out, transitioning out of the military that really wants to get into entrepreneurship, start their mm-hmm. own business. What kind of advice would you have for them? What thoughts come to mind? Well, I mean, certain cliche things like, right. Like, you know, don't, don't listen to other people when they try to be negative because a lot of people are like that because they're not willing to do it, you know? And I think that, you know, successful people are those who are willing to do things that other people just aren't willing to do, yep. you know, and it's not easy, right? So don't dilute yourself to think, well, I'm going to start my own business and I'm just going to, you know, uh, go to the country club and boss everybody around. It doesn't <laughs> work that way, you know, you have to lead from the front. And I, and I say that because, you know, there were um, uh, people in leadership positions when I was in the military that, that didn't do that. And it was hard to respect them. You know, it was hard to have that. You respected the rank, of course, but it was hard to respect the people because, you know, their leadership skills were were lacking. And I really feel that, you know, if you lead from the front, if you're in the trenches with your people, that they they want to fight for you. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to succeed for you because everyone, their success is my success. So I would say I would say to people that, you know, continue to hone those skills you learned in the military because they are invaluable. And believe me, employers recognize that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is definitely an asset that you have military experience. And, and every employer that I've spoken to will, will, you know, concur with me on that one. So I would say that, you know, there's a lot of talk about, well, you have to, you know, you have to will yourself to be successful. You're just going to, it's, you know, it's pure will to do something. And I don't think it is. I think you got to love it. I think you got to love what you do. Mm-hmm. And I, love what I do, I get up, every morning, 23 years later, and I can't wait to get into my seat and start doing what I do. I love it. And I think if you don't have that, you can have all of the intelligence and documents and pieces of paper in the world. You're not going to be successful unless you really sit down and love what you do. It's not just, it's not just about money at all. If you love what you do and you work diligently at it every day and you're adaptable and resilient, you will be successful. And then after you become successful, that's when the money starts coming in because you've created something successful. So I think that's really the, the best piece of advice to, to be proud of what you have done and wear that as a badge of honor and carry that forward in the business world. Because a lot of the skills you learn as a veteran are applicable to that. And, uh, 
you, you really need to embrace that. Well said, Kurt. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're out of time. Thank you for sharing your entrepreneurial success story. Um, a lot of uh, phenomenal golden nuggets in there and uh, appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for your service. I really appreciate the opportunity. You bet. You too. All right. These two veterans, Thank are you. Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.